Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Welcome to another edition of the McKnight's Newsmaker Podcast. I'm McKnight's Executive Editor, Jim Berklin, and we are going to look together into the future with today's guests. I'm here with Amy Kazak, President of Special Needs Plans with Ally Align Health. Of course, if you know anything about the topic we're honing in on today, the name Ally Align must be familiar. And this is fun for me because alternative payment sources and more independent payment, really, that's what we're talking about. It's been a growing rage among skilled nursing providers. And by all accounts, that's not really going to change anytime soon, is it, Amy? Jim, I don't believe it will. And I'm not just saying that um, because of what we do at Ally Align Health. Um, I just came back from the ACA Population Health Management Summit last week, and I will tell you that we heard the same message from Dr. Mark McClellan as well as Ellen Lucan with the CMMI program. Um, Medicare Advantage is not going anywhere. Alternative payment models are continuing to grow across the board. And I think many of us know today, we've gotten the message clearly from CMS that by 2030, um, CMMI says that 100% of Medicare um, beneficiaries will be in an accountable care program. 100%. 100 percent. And, you know, we're moving there faster every single day um, as more and more seniors join Medicare Advantage or more and more seniors are attributed to an accountable care organization um, or are part of another CMMI program pointed at value based care. All right. Now, for many, the journey to value-based or population health can be intimidating, quite frankly. Uh, What advice would you give someone who is just trying to understand what this all means to their community? I mean, population health, is there another name for it? I mean, it kind of sounds out of reach in some ways. Yeah, well, when you're talking about populations, that's a a big subject, right? It sounds like you're talking about a lot of people. Um, For skilled nursing operators, you know, I think the first way you should look at it is your long-term care resident population. That's primarily the population or the residents or the patients that you have control over. And by control, I mean you um, are very much in control of who is coming into your building to provide care. Um, Who are you partnering with for therapy or how are you providing those sources? And very importantly, um, for nursing home operators, you do have choice about who you are partnering with for different payment programs. You might not think you do, but you do actually have a lot of of control over um, how people are going to pay you and who you're going to work with for payment. All right, very good. Now, where should someone start if they want to evaluate value-based and population health models for their respective communities? Yeah, well, I always say it's it's kind of like building a house, Jim. So you want to start first and just understand, um, you know, what's your foundation? What's your baseline? Where are you today? So what I mean by that is, first of all, um, look at your long-term care population, not just your short-stay population, but um, for, for all of your residents, 
What payers are you already working with today? Obviously, you're working with Original Medicare. You're definitely um, working with your state Medicaid program, most likely, for your long-term care residents. Um, but who are the other payers um, that maybe already have some density in your building? Think number two, as you're looking at that baseline, in addition to your payers, you also want to be looking at your primary care physicians. Because in today's world of population health and value-based care, CMS has told us over and over again, they are designing programs where primary care physicians are at the center of the care model, but they're also very involved in the payment model, specifically through the accountable care organizations. So I would look and see today, are your primary care doctors, are they already participating in an ACO? You might not even know that. Your long-term care residents could already be attributed to one of these alternative payment models. And the interesting thing is, as you're looking at that, um, I think you'll, you'll start seeing, <clears throat> operators will start seeing, hey, maybe there are some opportunities that I don't really have to change a whole lot. I just need to ask and make sure that I am able to be a part of some of those organizations already in place in my building. Okay. I was going to say <laughs> one of the things I've really heard a lot is that the primary care groups are the hot commodity. And what you just said really underscores that, right? Well, they are. Um, with that said, though, I think the other really important thing for senior living operators to know is that Medicare Advantage remains the best way for operators to really um, be at the top of the food chain, if you will, or as Lynn Katzman says, um, the way that you can be at the um, you know, big kids table. Um, so if you really want to seat at the managed care table, Medicare Advantage remains your best way to do that. Not all MA plans are the same um, and equal, and you're not always going to get the same seat. But again, to date, CMS has told, told us all that right now, outside of Medicare Advantage, there are no direct ways for senior living operators to really be the conveners or the controllers or kind of even the, the panel holders for some of these other programs. It is all aimed towards the primary care. So for operators, I think they need to be thinking about does it make sense for me to participate in Medicare Advantage? And if so, how am I going to do that where I get some advantage out of it? And then also, how can I work with um, or maybe even leverage some of my existing primary care relationships um, so I can also participate in some of these other programs like the ACOs? So it doesn't have to be one or the other. You might want con to consider both. But, you know, either way, I think you should think carefully about who you're already working with today. Is that relationship working? And um, are there opportunities for you to um, maybe get some of those ACO, ACO dollars that today are not really shared with you? 
Yeah, boy, I hear you. The thing, if there's anything, anything that all of us hear really is, you know, when you're dealing with the MA plans, count your fingers afterwards, you know, you don't want to get too close yeah. to, the, to the beast, right? <laughs> so moving to another topic here, the elephant in the room, it's really that time. Uh, how is implementing something like this possible with the staffing challenges that everybody's yeah. facing nowadays? Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, going back to your first question, population health, that's a a big topic. It seems like a lot to tackle. And as operators are saying, okay, how um, is now the right time for me to really think about moving from a primarily fee-for-service based system that I've known very well for the past 30 plus years um, and really start taking risk. That sounds scary. Um, Start working in different ways with Medicare Advantage plans. That sounds a little scary also. Um, And then how do I get my staff to buy into it? So I think a couple of of things. First of all, um, certainly working with our partners, we are very, very attuned to the staffing challenges. Um, I would advise for um, operators as they're thinking about um, Medicare Advantage or other population health strategies. Um, Just like you would think about maybe other initiatives within your organization. If you have 30 facilities, not all 30 of them might need to be um, at the beginning or or your initial pilot um, communities for something like a population health strategy or value-based care model. So I would say, hey, let's let's figure out where it might work best. Where do we have steady staffing? Um, where are we able to take on something like this? I think the second thing is ask your partners. If you're working with us as Ally Align Health and you say, Amy, we would really like to participate in one of your ISNIP programs, or we're thinking about starting our own ISNIP program. My staff isn't there yet. We can help you with some ways. First of all, there's there's a timeline. Um, how can we lay this out where the, the timeline for participation better matches your ability to get back to where you want to be with staffing? Um, we can help you thinking about how can our care model, so the nurse practitioners or PAs that we're bringing in, how can that help take um, some of the workload sometimes off of some of of your RNs, at least for part of that population, um, how can we help increase the efficiency through our Kirana Medical Group um, of your medical director system that, again, might give you some um, additional ways to use your resources? And then finally, I would just say that there are some even more um, innovative things out there about how can we use some of the resources we already have, like RNs who might be part of our staff. Um, Can that be part of your staffing solution even, almost like an agency or part-time, you know, things like that where we can lean in to help our partners. So don't be afraid to ask. Same way with primary care groups. Um, So again, with our Kirana Medical Group, we have care coordinators and care allies who can help Um, take some of the administrative burden off of the plan or the ACO off of your staff and put that back on us. So we're reducing the amount of administration that you have to have. 
You know, I've always wondered, how do you deal with the increased liability concerns when you start delivering more medical care in the communities? Mm, Yeah. So we get this more when we're working with assisted living and memory care facilities, as you might imagine. Um, because there are different regulatory issues from state to state. In our skilled and nursing centers, you're already delivering a lot of care. Um, So I think in terms of liability concerns, um, we we don't hear as much there. Um, In fact, by us adding, again, in some of the additional care model support, um, communities usually feel like they can do more. Um, I think the other thing that's changed a little bit, Jim, is with, you know, our plans, we've always had um, the three-day hospitalization waiver, so what we call skill-in-place option. Um, With COVID, with pandemic, um, and more people using that skill-in-place, I think that nursing home operators are much more likely to say we can take care of patients before we send them out and not just because of the waiver but also just because of safety right and availability of hospital beds i see across the board that our nursing um, facility partners do a lot more are much more likely to say let's figure out how to do this safely in-house right along with that though even in the nursing homes there are some things where you do have to consider um, what are my additional RN staffing obligations if I'm going to do some type of IV therapy, for example. Do I need to have a medical director or a physician who is here on site more in order to do this? So um, for us, I always say that we have the plan plus the practice model, and that's where the practice comes in really handy because now you can make sure, um, we can make sure that we've got those additional resources on site to deliver that enhanced care that we're all looking for. For assisted living and memory care, again, there's a lot of regulations, um, but with, again, practice practitioners who are willing to do the home visits. Um, You can use home health nurses. A lot of our AL partners have their own home health staffing companies. So thinking creatively about how you're not just asking the assisted living community um, to do things that maybe they shouldn't be with their license and uh, the state regs, you can bring in those other trusted partners to help with that care, keeping patients in place a little bit longer. All right, great. Now, as we've seen, all these concepts have really grown, uh, despite the pandemic or during the pandemic even, uh, they were underway before that. So a a lot of folks are sold on that. We said we'd talk about the future. What kind of future do you yeah. see for communities that don't start engaging in more of these models from both you know risk management and opportunities perspective? Yeah. Um, so I think three key points. Um, the first one um, is, again, um, today CMS has made it very, very clear uh, to senior living operators 
that there's opportunity to participate in different value-based programs um, through accountable care organizations, um, through some of their expanded SNF programs. Um, but today, CMS is not um, putting in place a program where skilled nursing operators are kind of the center of their universe, uh, the driver of, of their car, uh, the steerer of their ship. So if you want to do that, the best way to do it is through a Medicare Advantage plan today, and it needs to be an MA program that is willing and really designed to have you as the skilled nursing operator accountable for the risk of your residents. And that's really what population health management is. It is taking accountability for the total health outcomes for your long-term care residents, at least in the senior living world. Secondly, um, so MA, I would say, is looking into the future. It continues to be your best bet for more risk, more accountability for your, for your residents. I think number two is, is a caution here, right? Which is for anybody who says, yeah, I think I'm creating value, but I'm not quite ready to put anything um, at risk or enter into some of these um, different models. If you're not getting paid for the value that you create, somebody else is. And I think this is critical right now, Jim, because again, with the growth um, certainly of um, accountable care organizations with the growth and the impetus um, around the dual programs. Um, so kind of, you know, look back to 2013 and 2014 um, with the integration of Medicare and Medicaid. There are a lot of interested parties who are going to benefit from the value that senior operators are helping create. And they're not all willing to share the dollars and many of them think that they have no reason to. They undervalue their skilled partners. So I think that's the, the real big takeaway. The time is now to think about how you start um, staking out your population and who you're going to be accountable for. And then beyond those two things, I, I mentioned the duels. I think that's the other key thing here as we're, we're looking out towards the future. CMS has said everyone is going to be in Medicare, is going to be in an accountable care program by 2030. And guess what? Most of Medicaid members will be in an accountable care. And already we're seeing it. Um, the call letter came out just this week, and this was the Medicare Advantage proposed rule, sorry, um, it came out this week. All through that is uh, the um, mandate for decent plans to fully integrate so fully integrated Medicare and Medicaid um, benefits. 
that is going to continue. And if you have long-term care residents who are duals, you will be impacted by that. So now is the time to, again, say, how can we um, be leading that charge instead of kind of being dragged behind at those who, who take charge? So those are the three trends. You need to seriously consider Medicare Advantage. Make sure that you're working with somebody where you get the full value of what you're creating. Two, whether it is ACO relationships, whether it is through alternative payment plans of other sorts, whether it is through MA, you need to find a way now to make sure you're entering into value-based payment programs. Otherwise, that opportunity is going to be gone and you've got to be proactive and a part of the discussion around duels. Well, there you have it, folks. This is why we bring on people like Amy Kazak. I told you we get a look into the future there, and, and uh, that was a great crystal ball, but also it's not based on fantasy at all, as you've showed us, Amy. Thank you very much on that. It's happening now and going to continue to happen, I guess, is how we can summarize that up. I've been speaking with Amy Kazak, President of Special Needs Plans with Ally Align Health. Thanks very much, Amy. And I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the McKnight's Newsmaker podcast series wherever you get your podcasts. This is Jim Berklin, as always, wishing you good health and outstanding days ahead. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit mcknights.com.